You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Welcome to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5, Rollins College. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Today our guest is Diane Smith, who is a Crummer alumna and currently serves as Director of Marketing and Business Development for Florida Dairy Farmers, which represents the state of Florida's dairy farmers who work every day to provide a steady supply of fresh milk. And I'm here with our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Mallory Bliss, current student in EA MBA 37, Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37, Clara Mount, MBA 2020, Gerard Mitchell, MBA 2018, and as always, I'm JB Adams, MBA 2011. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey. Hi, guys. All right, thanks to all of you for being here. In a moment, we're going to listen to the Crummer Connections interview with Diane Smith that was broadcast earlier this fall. But before we do that, I would like to ask the panel to share some of their thoughts on what the audience should listen for. So what do you think, Clara? What should the uh, listeners pay attention to? Yeah, um, my favorite part of Diane's interview was when she talks about uh, reflecting on what you've learned in your classes at Crummer. Um, And she has a really good strategy for that that I think could turn any experience that you have into a learning experience. Oh, okay, excellent. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, Diane has terrific insight into what it's like to go to Crummer, and uh, I think she clearly offers some great advice on how to find the best milk in Florida. (laughs) I agree with that. Um, Mallory, what do you think? I think Diane has a very positive outlook on life. All of her experience have a positive spin on them. She focuses on the business of people and not the business of money. Yeah, very good. And Gerard? Uh, I think Diane has some great lessons that she learned from her time at the Orlando Sentinel. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I would just conclude by saying, as you listen to Diane's story, there's really a consistent theme about making tough decisions and really being focused on long-term goals. And, And I think she's a real inspiration in that regard. So here's what's going to happen. In the second half of the show, we're gonna have Diane Smith here with our panel to discuss her career in marketing. She was previously at the, at the Orlando Sentinel and now she's at Florida Dairy Farmers and we'll get her advice as a professional. So please stay tuned for that. But first, we're gonna check out that Crummer Connections interview. So let's get started. Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, JB Adams. In this series, I'm talking with Crummer alumni and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Today's guest is Diane Smith. She graduated from Crummer with her MBA in 2017. She's the Director of Marketing and Business Development for Florida Dairy Farmers, where she has worked for the past 13 years. And she's also had a long career in marketing here in Central Florida, previously working at the Orlando Sentinel. Welcome, Diane. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, In a moment, we're going to talk about Florida Dairy Farmers and the work that you do for them. But first, I would uh, like to start with some context. People have seen you not just uh, on campus when you were a student, you're still involved with the school. Tell us how you uh, have a relationship with the school after you graduated. Sure, so I continue to serve in the Crummer Alumni Board. When I was a student, I was the alumni representative for my class for the alumni board. And once I graduated, I got the opportunity to serve as a um, full-fledged member. And I serve uh, for the alumni Crummer board and I help um, not only promote Crummer and the benefits of being a student at Crummer, but as well trying to find ways to connect with the community and help our um, alumni uh, progress in their uh, fields of work. 
Let's talk about Florida dairy farmers and the work that you do with them. First of all, I want to know, how long has Florida dairy farmers been around? So Florida dairy farmers have been around for around 50 years, and we are an association representing the Florida dairy farmers, so people who actually milk the cows every single day so you can get up in the morning and have your nice cup of coffee with milk. So as a Florida resident, when we go to the grocery store, are we buying Florida milk? How can we make sure that we're getting milk that's local? So if you want to get um, Florida milk, the easiest way is for you to look at the gallon of milk. There's a code in there that talks about the plant number. And if it says, starts with the number 12, that means it is based here in Florida. And that's how you know that it's Florida milk. And it usually takes two to three days from the uh, milk to go from the farm to the processing plant and to the grocery store. So it's very quickly and it's the freshest milk that you can get. I am gonna look for that number 12 every time I buy a gallon of milk. You work uh, in marketing and business development. Tell us what that means. Sure, so my role is really to develop partnership, either industry or with the media to try to promote the healthy benefits of milk. In addition to serving as a spokesperson, I also like you know, cook once in a while and represent organizations on how to bring those products and that milk to life via yogurt, via uh, cheese, via ice cream, all those different recipes. In addition to that, I um, like to um, develop partnerships in the community, sometimes with different products, but also with other um, businesses that I might be uh, sympathetic to our organization and be able to develop promotions in the community. Uh, finally, the, the last thing I'd like to know about uh, your relationship with the Florida dairy farmers is just tell us what you love about this work. I love the variety. You know, every single day I have a, a, a different task, a different opportunity to promote dairy. One day I could be meeting with a vice president of a foreign country talking about the dairy industry as a whole. You know, the next day I might be picking up boxes and preparing for an event or cooking or doing dishes. So I think I love the variety of it. I also love the opportunity to develop uh, relationships. And I know I talk a lot about this, but I'm a people person. And uh, even though I haven't seen many of you in a while, I definitely miss you and I can't wait to see you. But I think that in the long haul, developing relationships and where you can uh, provide mutually beneficial relationships is very important to me. And this job affords me that opportunity to be a, a resource, to be somebody that can help uh, another organization or another individual achieve their dreams. So I really enjoy that part of it. And it can't be easy for a people person to be going through this pandemic where we have to socially isolate and work virtually. So I hear you loud and clear on that one. When we come back in a moment, we will hear more about Diane's backstory. Stay with us. All right, we are back with Diane Smith, and we have the chance to learn a little bit more about how she came to be the person that she is. Uh, Diane, we're going to start with some fast facts. So uh, here's some quick questions with some quick answers. First, tell us uh, where you were born. New York City. In the city. Which borough? Uh, in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Okay. Uh, and where were you raised? I was raised in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico. And uh, I know that you had some influences that sort of shaped your approach to business. Tell us about those early years. Yeah, so when I moved to Puerto Rico, I went to live with my grandparents. Uh, they were both entrepreneurs and business owners. They owned the jewelry, the furniture store, and the travel agency in my little town. So I think I was always influenced by them, by their work ethic. I was influenced by their dedication and also by their uh, compassion when working with uh, their clients and their business. Now, uh, let's paint a picture of this. How big was the town? There's probably about 10,000 people tops. Okay. In the, town, in the center of the island, not exactly in the middle, but maybe a little bit more to, to the west side of it. And, and if I understand correctly, you said a furniture store, a jewelry store, and a travel agency, were these separate entities? How did the customers uh, access these stores? Sure. So the furniture and the jewelry store was in the same same location. And then the travel agency was right across 
uh, from it. However, you know, while I did come after school and spend some time there and try to help a little bit, you could always find me just two stores down, which is actually the corner pharmacy, the pharmacy in town, because since growing up, I always wanted to be a pharmacist. And I used to just spend all my time in there trying to learn, try to hang out. And I'm sure I bothered them all the time. Now, did you get a job at the pharmacy in those early days? You know what? I actually, I would not a, not a specific job, but I said more like a volunteer job, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So I wanted to be a pharmacist. So the pharmacist kind of took me in and they would teach me about the medicines. They would teach me about the different control methods, about the names and what they did. Sometimes they would let me count the pills, you know, maybe that right now, probably that's not, not okay to do, but I'm sure they counted right after me. Um, but other things that I used to do is that during the holidays, like Mother's Day or Father's Day, I used to work at the perfume counter and would just be there and tell people about perfumes, let them try them out. I would wrap them up pre really pretty. And then at the end of my shift uh, for that weekend, they would just give me a perfume and then I would have something to give to my grandfather or to my grandmother. And that would be my payment. Yeah, your payment was the perfume. So they never gave you a paycheck or any kind of cash. They just no. rewarded you with a little, you know, work in trade, sell the perfume and then get a bottle of perfume. That's a great story. Um, and it really kind of shows where your priorities were because you had access to all these opportunities, but you just sort of made your own opportunities out of all of it. Um, what kind of advice would you give to a young person who's trying to find their way and particularly someone who is in a situation similar to yours? Sure. And you know what? I tell this to my kids. I tell them to interns, to mentees. And it's like, if you are interested in a specific topic or area, try to get a job there, try to volunteer, try to ask questions. I think especially when you're a student, I think professionals are a lot more open to provide information, to meet with you, to give them their time. So take advantage of that. And always, you know, you might find out that you love it, or you might find out that you don't. And I think that experience, either positive or negative, is really important. So true, try to find a, a job or a volunteer opportunity or an internship in the field that you're interested in. So let's establish, you were very interested in pharmacy and then you had a transition when you were a teenager that was pretty significant. So tell us about how that changed your life. Sure. So when I was 15 years old, um, my grandfather passed away. And then I had a, a crossroad. Right? What do I want to do? Do I want to stay in Puerto Rico? Or do I want to move with my grandmother to Florida? So I think that was a big transition moment to me. And I wanted to continue to learn English. You know, we had talked about my grandparents were travel agents. And that's kind of how I started learning English. Because when I traveled with them, I used to be their translator. You know, and, and I said, well, you know, I want to continue to learn English. I want to have bigger opportunities. So I'm going to move to Florida. And I'm going to live with my grandmother. And I want to come here to college. So I think that was a big transition uh, time for me. Tell us about the adversity. I think that moving to a place where you do not know, you know, hardly anybody except your family, uh, fitting in into high school, uh, where people dress differently, you know, people acted differently, everybody already had their own um, cliques. I think it was, you know, it was difficult. It, it was, it was not easy. You know, I remember having to wait for my aunt to come pick me up after school, and. Uh, I, I got to meet one person and I could communicate with them, but you know, it's kind of hard when you're trying to, to communicate and you're not completely fluent with somebody in high school, you know? And I think that um, I worked really hard at just, you know, trying to build relationships. And I think that has helped me, I think, through my career, um, you know, that importance of them, of, of really connecting with somebody, even if, it's not in the same language, but there's a lot to be said for nonverbal communication and the way when you meet with somebody. And I think that that's one of the things that I, that I am a people person, right? That I like to connect with them. I like to meet them. And uh, I think that that's one of the things that I learned. Yeah, you're a people person who was really challenged with overcoming a language barrier. And I think there's a recurring theme of, of perseverance. 
you know, if you're lucky enough, things happen with for you for the first time. But I think for many of us, if we want something, we have to go after it. And if the first time doesn't work out, you just have to keep on trying. So I think perseverance is very important and, uh, you know, achieving your goals as well. And you know what, sometimes I don't write them down and I probably should as everybody else, everybody else says, but you know, as long as you think about them and you revisit them in your mind often, uh, you know, it can happen and you can make it happen. When we come back in our next segment, we will hear more about Diane's early career. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Mallory Bliss, an Early Advantage MBA student at Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. When I was searching for my next opportunity after graduation, an MBA at Crummer was the best opportunity for me. I was nervous about starting at Crummer with my science background, but my fears were calmed on the very first day. Crummer is helping me pursue my aspiration of working in the pharmaceutical industry. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. We are back with Diane Smith of Florida Dairy Farmers, and we're talking about her early career. So we've established that she came to Florida. She wanted to be a pharmacist. Diane, what happened to that dream of being a pharmacist? Well, one of the things that um, happened was organic chemistry, and that is the truth. Uh, it was just very difficult. I was not getting it. And at the same time, I was still volunteering for homecoming. I was volunteering in my sorority. I was really involved in a lot of things. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want to be in a lab all my days and just wear a white lab coat. I think, you know, we, have, we already established that I'm a people person. And I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to, to look at other opportunities. And while I love chemistry, um, I thought that, switching over to doing special events was the, the career for me and organizing projects. So I went and, and I met with different um, leaders in the community. I met with people at the school and I said, you know what, what should I major in? And I decided that liberal arts was the best path for me and I got a minor in business. So I kind of just like switched over and decided to get into marketing. And that's how I, I am where I am now. Tell us where you were studying. So I went to the University of Central Florida. Okay. And uh, there I had different internships uh, after I decided to change my major. And one of them was the Orlando Sentinel. So I was working in the marketing department and I was working in special events specifically. So it was a dream opportunity for me to be able to have exposure at such a large organization at that point in time, you know, it was so much bigger and it was so difficult to get into. So I was really proud that I, I got the opportunity to intern there and learn. And when you switched from uh, pharmacy to marketing as a result of organic chemistry, did it feel like this was a better fit you felt like it had arrived and uh you know did you wonder why had i not thought of this sooner yes yes and yes i think that um it was just such an easy natural transition you know since i was little i knew i wanted to be a pharmacist but then when i think i started getting more into the i was really good at chemistry i was getting good, great grades but i think that I was at the same time, I was also volunteering. I was doing other things for fun. And you know what? I think you need to love what you do mm, for your yeah. career. And I think I found what I love. So it was an easy transition for me. And it was so interesting. And I just kind of took off and never looked back. Yeah. And while you were at uh, the Sentinel in your internship, you had a valuable takeaway when your boss went on vacation. Tell us about that. It did. So, so my boss said, you know what, here's your internship. These are the projects that you're going to work on. I'm going to be getting married in about two months, you know, and I'm going to leave you here for two weeks. So, you know, I'm really hoping that you can help me out and do the best you can. And my, um, my supervisor uh, had not been at the Sentinel for a long time either. Like I started almost at the same time that he did his internship as well as, as his job. And by the time he got back from his um, honeymoon, from being married, you know what? He's like, oh my God, Diane, you know more people in this building than I do. And I thought that that was a, a you know, very fun part. And he would tell everybody. And when I 
ended up getting the job at the end of my internship, you know, he's like, that's the reason I gave you the job because you took the initiative. You went out there and you helped out in the HR department. You went and talked to other people in editorial and you did this. And via your relationships, you were able to complete your job because it's not about what I knew. It's about who I knew. And I think that's, uh, I think the big takeaway is that you work with people and you can be very knowledgeable, but if you don't know how to get things done, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. It's not about what you know. It's about uh, who you know. When we come back in our next segment, we will hear about Diane's Crummer experience. Stay tuned. Right. We are back with Diane Smith of the Florida Dairy Farmers, and we would uh, like to hear more about your Crummer experience. So let's start with where you were at in your career and what led to the decision to attend Crummer. Sure. So I already moved in uh, from the Orlando Sentinel and got a new job at Florida Dairy Farmers. And I had seen over the years that people with masters were really again advancing, especially in the marketing field, that they were getting the promotions. And I felt that I was not uh, at the level that I wanted to be. And I had wanted to get my masters for a really long time, but because of having kids, because of working special events at nighttime or in the weekends. And you know, I'm, my mom always you know, helped me out with the kids and she used to tell me, Diane, hurry up and do it so I can help you. So when I finally decided to make that decision, and, and start my MBA and the application process, you know, my mom passed away unexpectedly. Yeah, it was sudden. I had gone to my first interview already when she was at the hospital, and unfortunately she passed away. And we were at her funeral in Puerto Rico, and I just remember, uh, you know, we, we were at a hotel in San Juan facing the water and just being out there just reflecting about all the things that were happening in my life when I got a call from Crummer and it was that I was accepted. And it was just such an incredible moment for me. So profound because, you know, I was thinking of everything that is going on in my life that I know I wanted to do it for myself. But at that point I decided, you know what, not only I'm going to do this for me, but I'm also going to do it for my mom. And it's a powerful reminder for all of us that to get an advanced degree like this is a big commitment. And it's not something we do to just enhance our careers. It's something we do to change our lives. So thank you for sharing that, Diane. It's powerful. Uh, we are going to learn more about your Crummer experience by playing Crummer Insider Free Association. So I'm going to read you a series of prompts. I'm going to invite you to provide the first answer that comes into your head. And these are questions that any Crummer student can relate to. So are you ready, Diane? I'm ready. Here's the first one. I started my Crummer education in the year? 2015. I finished classes and graduated in the year? 2017. My cohort name and number was? EMBA 36. And my cohort name was the... I forgot the C-suite something. <laughs> you had a cohort, oh, you had a team name. Oh, our team name, yes. EMBA 36, my cohort was known for being? Diverse. For our international study, we went to? Morocco. And the thing that made the greatest impression on me during our Morocco trip was? The technologically advancements that are happening in Morocco and especially solar energy. Oh, excellent. Uh, my favorite course was? Mergers and Acquisition with Dr. Kimas. We'll come back to that one. My favorite professor was? Dr. Meyer, Accounting. And during the experience, my greatest time management moment or lesson was? You can survive in six hours of sleep a day or for a whole year and a half when you're doing your MBA. Don't worry. <laughs> Not forever, but for two years you can. That is true. Uh, I know we're going to talk about mergers and acquisitions in our next segment, but I would like to ask, uh, what was uh, one of the things that really surprised you about the experience while you were a student? You know, I think we always hear that Crummer is a very um, small, tight-knit um, program. And I think that really seeing it firsthand is very important. I think uh, 
just the care that the professors and the staff take on your education and trying to help you achieve what you want to achieve, I think this is something that always stays with me. So in the context of the Crummer experience, Diane, uh, what advice would you give to a current student, someone who's uh, studying right now? I think a lot of times we focus um, just in completing the class and doing the homework and, you know, getting a passing grade. But I think it's really important to be able to take a little bit of time to absorb the information. You know what, if I had to go back and do this again, what I would do is maybe after every class, I would just maybe write a couple of thoughts down so then I can reflect and go back at it because sometimes it feels that everything just goes so back, you know, it goes in a blur, in a blink of an eye. And I think it's important to reflect on what you learned, what you did, and then also make sure that you, you know, connect with your classes, connect with your professors, and be able to develop those relationships that are going to help you at the end of the road. Good advice for any student. I really want to hear about how you've had a chance to apply what you learned from your Crummer experience toward uh, your career with Florida Dairy Farmers. Uh, I, I know you said in the previous segment that one of your favorite classes was mergers and acquisitions with Dr. Halil Kimaz. You know, it really was because I think it was one of my later classes in the program, but I think it kind of brought everything together because we, uh, in the program, I think that we're looking for how to look at things in a global perspective as far as like leadership and what you do and also in the C-suite, which of course is where I want to be. But I think that is, it was very important mergers and acquisition because they combine not only the numbers that we learned from accounting or efficiency from Dr. Yoho, uh, but also the human capital, you know, and how to merge those two together because we're, you're merging, you know, two different companies. You really have to take, pay attention to the people that are coming in and how to bring two separate ideas, opinions, and companies into one new vision. But I thought it was just so interesting that I said, you know what, in any kind of project that you do, maybe you're having two different ideas. I work with a lot of um, groups and organizations, and I think it's always important to find out how can we both win? You know, it's not about somebody winning and somebody losing, but how can we both win? And I think that's just very important to me. Uh, Diane, thanks so much for your thoughts. We have just a few more things uh, to say as we bring this chat to a close. Uh, people have heard you tell your story. I'm sure that's going to pique some interest with some folks. What's the best way for people to reach you? Sure, you know what, I am old fashioned. Give me a call. You can send me an email. Meet me at one of the Crummer events. Um, you can find me at floridamilk.com. All my information is in there, my email, uh, my phone number. So I look forward to talking to you. I'm sure someone's going to take you up on that offer. Uh, can you give us a, a brief idea of what's next for Diane Smith and or Florida Dairy Farmers? So after my experience with Crummer, you know, I've had the opportunity to be promoted in my, my uh, position. I have had the opportunity to expand my role. And uh, sometimes it's not about the promotion or the title, but I think after you have the opportunity uh, to have the experience and a lot of exposure to a lot more knowledge, you actually start uh, influencing other uh, people that you work with. And you just, the, you know, as time, at the same time that you're trying to teach and impart your knowledge, you're also learning and growing. So you know what, one day soon, I hope to be in a C-suite near you and uh, making a difference in the world, not only in the office, but in the community and at home. That's excellent, never stop striving. Uh, one final thought, if there's anyone out there who's thinking about whether or not they should pursue an MBA and at the Crummer School, what advice would you have for them? It's never too late to learn. Never stop learning and just do it. I wish I would have done it 10 years ago and uh, don't be like me. Just go ahead and go to one of the informational sessions. I'll be there, call me, talk to me, but just make sure that, that you really do it because it's just for you. Thanks so much, Diane Smith of the Florida Dairy Farmers. It's been a great pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much. This is JB Adams. Please stay tuned for the second half of the Crummer Hour. When we come back, we'll meet with Diane Smith to get her responses to questions submitted by you, 
our listeners and Kermer students and alumni. You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Hi, I'm Guy Fagan, an Early Advantage MBA student at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. My time during undergrad at Rollins College was incredible. I took every opportunity to get involved on campus. I joined the Tau Cap Absalom fraternity, and I was also a member of the varsity men's tennis team. Crummer has an amazing reputation in the area, so it was a no-brainer. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. Welcome back to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. On this program, we feature insightful conversations with faculty, alumni, and students of the Crummer Graduate School of Business as we share ideas and advice in the areas of business, technology, leadership, and professional development. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. In today's Crummer Hour, we are talking with Diane Smith. She's a Crummer alumna who graduated with her MBA in 2017, and she currently serves as the Director of Marketing and Business Development for Florida Dairy Farmers, which represents the state of Florida's dairy farmers who work every day to provide a steady supply of fresh milk. In the first half of the show, we heard Ms. Smith describe her upbringing and the business lessons she learned from her grandparents, who were the owners of several small businesses in Puerto Rico, and her early experiences uh, that led to her career in marketing, her Crummer experience, and how she applied it. And now in the second half of the show, we have her with us here live in the VMG Zoom studio to have her respond to questions that were provided by Crummer students, faculty, and alumni. Diane Smith, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to have you back here with us. And also with us, we have our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Clara Mount, MBA 2020. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37. Hey, everyone. Once again, thanks for having me. Thank you. Mallory Bliss, current student in EA MBA 37. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you and Gerard Mitchell, MBA 2018. Great to be with you guys today. And as always, I'm JB Adams, MBA 2011. All right, uh, Diane Smith, uh, our first questions are about Florida dairy farmers, but the first thing we wanna do is get a reaction from you about this question. It is a poll of the panel. And the question is, how many gallons of milk do you drink in a week? My answer is two gallons per week. Can anybody top that? Mallory, how many gallons of milk? I do not drink that much milk in a week. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kyle. Depends on how much cereal I have, but I'll say about a gallon. About a gallon. That's pretty good. Uh, Gerard? Uh, more about a quart. It's all in my coffee. Okay. A quart in the coffee and Clara. Oh, probably a gallon and a half. Oh, you came so close. I, I'm, I'm not so kidding. Close. I drink two gallons. It's always the 2%. Uh, Diane, do you have a reaction to that? Hey, thank you so much. Our, me and my farmers, thank you. I usually <laughs> drink about a gallon in my house. We probably go about a gallon, a gallon and a half per week. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm just one person and I'm drinking too. <laughs> oh. I like that. <laughs> it's not a competition. All right. The first question is about Florida dairy farmers. And that question comes from Clara. Yeah. Um, so ever since I heard your interview, I have to say I check my barcodes at the grocery store. Um, so I'm wondering if there are any other tips or tricks you can share um, with the Florida community about Florida's milk or other dairy products. Well, one thing I can always say is our farmers are working hard to make sure that they don't only provide delicious and nutritious milk, but in addition to that, that they're taking care of the environment. And something new since the uh, last time that we talked was that they have a new initiative by the 2050, they will be carbon neutral. So I know a lot of people care about the environment and how we, you know, drinking milk or dairy products affect the environment. And they have uh, come together to do an initiative to be 
uh, carbon neutral by the year 2050. Wow. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yes. Our next question is about your advice for job seekers. And that question comes from Kyle. You, you excuse me. You shared you had an experience when you were just starting out with your undergrad degree that informed your approach for how to pursue your dream job. Can you tell us about that experience and your philosophy on getting a job that's adjacent to your dream job? Sure. I think that there's always people there willing to help you grow. You know, sometimes you don't have to work a little hard. You know, you got to use your network, your connections, like your alumni network. Um, and then you got to think about what you want to do and approach um, those people and say, hey, I'm interested in this. Can I shadow you? Can I can I take a look at it? You know, can I right now? I think because we're a lot of us are working out of the house is a little bit more difficult. But I think that that connection can still be had, even if you have it virtually. And, you know, perhaps some people have a little bit more time these days that they can say, hey, maybe I can take on a, a mentee or, you know, maybe I want to mentor and volunteer and, and help somebody in my field. So I think uh, just trying to connect, like you said, if you're interested in something, just go approach somebody, just ask. The worst thing they can say is no, but you might still make a connection. Yeah, it's been really reassuring to actually, you know, actually just reach out. LinkedIn and it's it's very nice to have them just sort of receive you I guess in open arms and just be like oh yeah you're interested in this I'm happy to share whatever information so yeah I think that's great advice Uh, I believe Gerard has a follow-up yeah Diane uh, can you share your networking advice and how you go about networking in order to create new opportunities sure so I have been very involved in the community since I graduated and even before I graduated, um, you know, my at UCF, my first degree, and it's volunteering. I think it's important to make yourself available to opportunities, to learning new things. I think that if you volunteer for different committees and things that uh, are important to you in the community, I think you can grow your network that way. You can join a chamber of commerce of your liking or look for things that really match up with what you're trying to do. And in there, you're gonna start forming your network and volunteering. And by volunteering, you're showcasing your talents, your abilities, because you never know where your next job is going to come from. Great. Thank you. One more question about uh, advice for job seekers from Mallory. So you have made a couple of career moves in your time as a professional. What did you look for in potential employers and what advice would you give in this regard to students who are preparing to graduate and who are starting to look for jobs? Sure. So I think that stability is very important to me. Um, you know, we talked a little bit that I really have only had two major employers. And even though I've had several positions within uh, in those two organizations, when I've gone out and have looked at different opportunities, I looked at it to see how stable is this organization. Um, you know, am I gonna if I if I go and get another job, am I gonna have a job? You know, in six months from now. So I think that's important. I think also the culture of the organization. Make sure that it matches with what your values are. You know, because it's always um, important to know what your expectations are too. You know, you always want to be successful at your job, but then you also have to make sure that the organization that you're working with knows how to describe that success. What does success look like? You know, how can you, how can you not only, everybody also wants to like move up and, you know, get promoted and and do all those things, but there's just so much more to that. So I think you have to make sure that you're going to like where you're going to work, that that you have opportunities for growth, not just in uh, laterally, I'm sorry, not not upward, but also, uh, you know, within your role and your position. And then also as well, it's important to see, um, you know, the the whole goals of the organization. How are they shifting, and they match with your values as well. That's great advice. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 
Diane, I have a follow-up on that. So uh, without being too specific, have you been in interview situations or job-seeking situations where folks couldn't answer those questions? Was that kind of a red flag of the things that you notice? I think so, I, I and I have. I think that uh, when you ask uh, your employer, you know, what does success look like? You know, if I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing for a specific position, it's like, what do you want out of that person? You know, what do you want them to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for them to articulate that. Then just think about it when you have that, that position, your responsibility, you know what, you can probably hang in there for a little while and just try to figure out what you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, it might be kind of difficult if you are goal oriented like I am to figure out, you know, what is your role and are you really making an impact? Uh, I totally agree. There's got to be a vision. The next question is about leadership and management from your perspective. And the question comes from me. You used to be an individual contributor earlier in your earlier in your career, and then you made the transition into management. And, and what I would like to know is, is that something that you actively pursued or, or did you have people recognizing something in you and guiding you toward a leadership position? I think a little bit of both, to tell you the truth, because I think earlier in my career, you know, I think that I was really very, very tactical. And I try to look at things, you know, in a very tactical way. And I had the, you know, the fortune at the Orlando Sentinel that had a lot of different, um, you know, leaders in, in, in my managers around me that really encouraged us to try to like be thinking more strategically. And they kind of planted the seed. And I think I did, but I still was having, um, a hard time expressing it. So I was like, you know, thinking strategically, but more, you know, acting tactically. So I think that um, through great leadership and management uh, at the Sentinel and training as well, it helped me develop and cultivate that, that side of me. And I always, um, then I say, hey, I wanna do that. I wanna, I wanna be able to, to help people grow, to help them expand and to, and to learn all the different things that I had the opportunity to do so. So, so there came a, a specific moment in time where you felt confident saying, I am ready for a leadership position and, and I, now I'm actively looking for it. Yes, I, I, I did. And I, and I wanted to, to work with a team and I had the opportunity, you know, to do so and to help them grow. And even in other um, positions that I've had that I haven't had a specific um, manager title, I just say that I was still a leader and I was still learning to to grow and, and to, to help them uh, learn a lot of different things, even though they were not my direct reports. So I always try to just pass on the knowledge. And Diane, what were some of the challenges that you encountered in making this transition to management? And do you have some advice for anyone who's going from the individual contributor to the management role? Well, I said it's definitely not easy and I had some challenges on that. I think it's important just learning uh, and be clear as what the expectations are and talk to if they were your friends and not the, for example, you might be, you know, their manager is that, hey, you know what? This is how we're going to work from now on. And, you know, even though we have this other relationship and that we've worked together, you know, that can still stay, but there's still some things that kind of need to be separated and be clear. And I think if you're clear from the beginning, it will just make things a lot easier because then if expectations are laid out completely, then you don't have, you can avoid yourself some uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Um, because when you're peers, you might be best friends. And then the exactly. relationship changes and someone is thinking, hey, are we still friends? Yeah, and, and you still can be, but there are some things that, that you know, that, that have to be separate and you just have to learn how to compartmentalize that uh, yeah. part of you. you you've got to talk through it with that person and sort of mm -hmm. reset the rules. You are listening to The Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. Our guest is Crummer alumna Diane Smith, and we'll continue our conversation with her in just a moment. Please stay with us. 
Hi, I'm Sarah Neely. I am an Early Advantage MBA student here at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Crummer has enabled me with hands-on real-world experience that has been translated inside and outside the classroom. I'm very excited for not only the rest of my second year here at Crummer, but also in the future and to come back and visit. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. Welcome back to the Crummer Hour. I'm your host, JB Adams. Our guest is Crummer alumna, Diane Smith, and with us we have our panel of Crummer students and alumni with more questions about Ms. Smith's career. All right, we have a follow-up question from Gerard. Diane, how do you continue to grow and develop yourself as a leader uh, today? You know, there's one time that I met this person that that we were doing a project together and they they said, it's like, well, I'm too old. I'm not going to learn anything. I don't need to learn anything new. And I thought to myself, you know what? I hope I never, ever, ever say that. I think I'm a continuous learner. I feel that you can learn something every single day and you can better yourself. You know, we have talked about you guys thought that maybe I was an optimist and I would definitely agree with that because not only am I optimistic about the future, but I always feel that you can learn from whatever you do. And next time, if you have to do it, you know, you can do it a little bit better. You can do it a little bit different. So I'm always looking for training opportunities online. You know, when we've been in the pandemic in the early stages, I took classes. I signed up for the science of happiness online. There was all kinds of different things. And not just for your job, but if you look at a sport that you enjoy, you know, you can always draw from different areas. As long as you just continue to learn something, I think it's always good for you. Great. Thanks a lot. Also, one follow-up question to that, uh, since you're talking about learning, are there any books that you could recommend to our audience that uh, have been really helpful for you? You know what? In full disclosure, I will tell you that after I finished my MBA, I took a hiatus in reading. I'm like, I need a break. So, but it's been a while since I graduated now, but I am actually reading a book that my uh, brother-in-law had given me. It's called From Good to Great um from Jim Jim Collins and I think it's a really good book and I'm starting to like go back at it and rereading um so that's what I'm I'm reading right now great thank you our next question is about your personal and professional development and uh it comes from Clara um so what is a habit that you think every young professional should focus on building I think that they should read an article in whatever industry that they're interested in. I think you need to know what the trends are and what's going on in your industry. So I think that's something that it's important because it can come up in numerous kind of conversations and it makes you, you know, seem knowledgeable as to what you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think that would help you advance, you know, figure out what you want to do too. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you. Our, our next question is about your advice to professionals. And that question comes from me. Uh, Diane, you talk about the importance of networking and developing and maintaining relationships in business. And, and we've heard you say that even in this session, but from your perspective, what are some of the most important things that you can do concrete things that you can do to build and maintain healthy business relationships? I think first and foremost, when you make a connection and you meet somebody is you should try to find out how are you able to help them you know instead of trying to sell them something or trying to get something for them is position yourself as a resource and i think from there you can really start developing a relationship and do you try to make that mutual as you are figuring out how I can help you? Are you also listening for how this person can do? I mean, maybe they don't reciprocate. What do you do in, in that case? You know what? And I say that's okay because they might not reciprocate today, but maybe down the line they will. And I think, and I have experienced that in several occasions, 
that when you help somebody out, you know, like I still know people from the, from the Sentinel, even though I've been 13 years now at the Florida Dairy Farmers, I need something. I can know I can reach out to them, you know, and they'll be there for me. Excellent. Uh, Mallory has a follow has a follow up question. Yes. So for some business people, being a people person doesn't come naturally. How would you recommend people develop the skills needed to maintain good business relationships? Sure. So I agree with you. And I think I value that people have different work styles and different personalities. I think for somebody who might be a little bit more of an introvert, which obviously I am not, um, but my husband is, <laughs> I think that that sometimes it's good for you to put yourself in situations that might not be as comfortable to you. You know, even though it might be a little bit difficult to network or to connect with people, you know, a lot of people doing business online via text, you know, figure out what works in your area, but connect with people. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you have worked with somebody and you've talked to them on the phone or via email for five years and you've never even seen them. With nowadays, you know, maybe you schedule a Zoom call or or a FaceTime or something like that, that you can see them and be able to connect and, and that might help you. But always just, you know, try to stretch yourself, make yourself uncomfortable and learn something new. As an introvert, that's a great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The next question is from Clara. Uh, well, in some ways, your life is definitely a lesson in motivation. So I have to ask, what keeps you motivated today? You know, I think I always think that I can do a little better. You know, what can I do to be a little better to, you know, if I'm running to be a little faster, if I have my job, you know, how can I take it to the next level? So I think just that um, the opportunity keeps me motivated you know, taking advantage of the opportunity and then let's just let it live go by. That's awesome. Uh, I think Kyle looks like he has something he wants to say. Sure. Yeah, just to just to piggy off, piggyback off of Claire's comment there, uh, how do you keep your team motivated uh, in times of conflict and obstacles? You know, I think that there's, um, and I don't know, remember exactly what the, um, the steps are, but they say that a team has to storm to be able to perform first. So I think recognizing that conflict is a natural part of process or obstacles are a natural part of it. But if you work at it together, identify it, call it out. I think it's very important to have open communication. And there's an issue, you know, how can we come to a resolution so we can move forward? Because, you know, if we want a diverse team that has a lot of different things to contribute and different things to contribute, maybe not all the personalities are the same, but if you have mutual respect, and can um, recognize that everybody has something to bring to the table and then come together and make it happen, then I think that's how you're really going to perform and exceed your expectations. Yeah, I think that's something that all Cromer students can relate to with, you know, the different personalities and teams you work with. That's, that's critical. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier than others, right? But you just got to learn that you just got to deal with it and move forward. Sure thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, our next set of questions is about adapting. And so it's, it's 2021. It's a new year. And this past year, 2020 was a challenge for everybody in so many different ways. And the challenges continue. So these questions invite you to share some advice to students and professionals about how to adapt to a crisis or just challenging circumstances in general. And the question comes from Gerard. So Diane, what's been the biggest challenge for you in adjusting to the new normal we're living in and how have you dealt with it? Not hanging out with people, with my friends, with my coworkers. I love people, I'm a people person. So I think that has definitely been, you know, the hardest part about it. Um, trying to work I like to see people though and I always call it like I want to see that the white of your eyeballs 
Like I want to see you, to be able to connect with you, to really see what you're thinking. Because I think, um, especially during the pandemic, when we're doing a lot of things online and not all of it is via video, you don't see the uh, nonverbal cues that people are giving you or the communication that they're trying to come in or they they agree with you or don't agree with you. So I think not seeing that verbal nonverbal communication has definitely been a little bit harder to to adjust to. Oh, great. Uh, it's good to hear. Uh, we know that you're an, an extrovert, so we really wanted to hear from you on that because we know it's been difficult. Akin to what you just said, uh, I'm curious if the pandemic has affected the work of Florida dairy farmers. Did the pandemic affect the supply or demand of milk in the state of Florida? How has the organization been adapting to the pandemic or is everything just as steady as it always was? It definitely affected the Florida dairy farmers. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, when there was the shutdown, the, all the different supply um, mechanisms that are in, in set in place for people to get the milk or for um, the milk to be processed into the plants and all of that shifted dramatically because all of the uh, restaurants were closed and uh, the service industry was closed, a lot of different things. So it shifted everything. So it took a few weeks for the industry to kind of like pivot and be able to adapt to it. So during that time frame, us in the office, especially me as a spokesperson for Florida dairy farmers, I was extra busy. And I think that since the pandemic, I have been just as busy or even more uh, just communicating out to the public, what are the things happening? How are things adapting? You know, in some places they, they dumped milk because nobody would come pick it up and trying to understand and uh, educate the public why that happened. It's not like we can just, you know, when there's systems in place to provide a product, you know, things take a little while to change them. But thankfully, you know, everything is, is, is working now. Um, I think every industry has been affected by this. There's new protocols, there's different things uh, that are happening. But then, hey, again, many of us are cooking more at home, utilizing dairy products. So that has been very, very favorable. Well, good. I always uh, hate to hear that milk might go to waste, but I'm glad that things have leveled out since then. All right, uh, Diane Smith, we're bringing this session to a close. And so our final question is just this. Uh, it's about your closing message. What would you like to say to the Crummer community? I say Crummer community, we are family. We should stick together. We should support everybody um, that reaches out to you if you're a student or if they're an alumni, alumna, and uh, be there. Um, for your fellow classmates, um, get together if you haven't reached them in a while and have a Zoom call. I think that uh, stay positive. Uh, hopefully things are going to be much better this coming year. And I uh, look forward to talking to you guys soon. And if you want to reach out to me, please do. And with that, Diane Smith, thanks so much for being here on the Crummer Hour. Uh, Diane Smith, Director of Marketing and Business Development for Florida Dairy Farmers, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. And I would also like to thank our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Mallory Bliss, Kyle Sawyer, Clara Mount, Gerard Mitchell, and as always, I'm JB Adams. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hi. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Today's Crummer Hour has been brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, responsible, innovative business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. The Crummer Hour is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform or visit our website at victormediagroup.co. 
Today's show was hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, with sound editing by Aaron Trinka and production assistance by Kyle Sawyer. Our gratitude goes out to Greg Golden, Director of Student Media at Rollins College, the entire team at WPRK, and Mike Brown and Lublin Finley in Crummer Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. This is J.B. Adams, and until next time, Fiat Lux.